Hi, welcome to Chew on That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay, and you're joining us for a podcast where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon from the current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay. And this happens to be um, Becoming Jesus People, and this is week two, so part two of that sermon series, and it's with our friend, uh, Pastor Sean Hennessy. Joining me today is my very good friend, Pastor Barry Edgman. Say hi, Barry. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm good. How are you? That music, bro, you should just leave that playing the whole time. <laughs> I like that music. Matter of fact, I'm, I want to take that music and put it on the Father Seekers podcast. I like that music better. Really? You like this music better? I thought you liked the, the country no, rock thing. No, really? For real? That was your pick, bro. Huh. I feel like that's, I don't know. That's I'm super offended right now. You shouldn't be. We're Jesus people. We don't get offended. Yeah. It's the bait of <laughs> Satan offense. It's a great book by John Bevere. If you've never read it and you find that you're always mad at someone or that you're dealing with a bunch of jerks in your life. Or you get offended you. by easy things that right. shouldn't offend people. Yeah. That, like, I don't know, like a creative decision to pick a particular kind of music for a particular kind I just, of music. I, I picked like that kind EDM. of music. It feels like backwoods, I just country, like, rock. I felt like... I just like EDM though, man. Right, like with your cool. accent and everything, that's on brand. This isn't on brand for that. Okay. Well, I trust you. I, yeah, you I trusted trust your me. pick, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with it. I just say I listen to that kind of music all the time, but right. let's roll. We're not talking yeah. about that. I was just listening to some, because, uh, you know, uh, 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 Biz Marquis uh, recently passed away. Who? So, Biz Marquis, he's a hip-hop artist and a world-renowned beatbox artist, and um, he recently passed away. I still don't know why, but he was like... Uh, you, you got what I need, but you say he's just a friend, but you say he's Bro, listen, just a friend. on all these podcasts, this is not about singing. Like you sing on every podcast. I've been listening to these podcasts. You, it's horrible. You, you got, got a, what I need. First, you've got a horrible voice to sing. <laughs> you got a great radio voice. Like the radio voice is like world class. We're just going to keep working this so we can see how many times Barry says mean things to me. We're no, only two and a half minutes into the podcast class, right now. World class radio voice. Anyway, That's so amazing. I was playing some of this music for my kid. And I realized like I really like the hip hop songs, like when they were sampling everything, like, like Jay-Z's it's a hard knock life. Like I love, love, love that song. Right. And like, anyway, so we listening to that. I don't even know where I got onto this. Why were we even talking about this right now? I don't know. You digress. It had listen. something to do with the podcast though, for real. I wasn't just making it up, making it up anyway, becoming Jesus people, which mm. is a really big mm-hmm. deal here it at is. life church. And even let's just, can we just talk about that for a second? Like what, even us using the kind of terminology, because you've been on uh, the board, Pastor Barry, since the outset, right? Since the jump. And so, um, like, has that always been a thing? Like, when, when they were talking about formation of the church or, like, you know, everything else, has that always been part of the conversation, the culture conversation, as far back as you remember? Jesus people? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think every 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 Christian movement takes on its own its own idea, concept, core values. And obviously when uh, the Lord appoints leaders, he places in them a particular design and mission and plan to reach people where he's placed them to reach people. And I think if you look at every every church or every religious movement, uh, you'll see the, that similar pattern. 
One of the things about Life Church that I really have appreciated over the years is just what you've mentioned, just what you brought up. It's the Jesus people thing. Mm. And and it redefines basically everything. For example, when we when we talk about being Jesus people, we have mandated ourselves to be a certain way. We've tagged ourselves. We've we've hashtagged everything that we say, do, think, and feel, that Jesus people becomes the filter for what we do, how we do it, where we do it, who we are. It defines that. So then we become, my words, not Sean's or Sonny's, we become red letter people Mm. where we go, uh, this is what Jesus said. Yep. And then we translate over into the New Testament where Paul amplifies those things. So with that becomes this clarity piece that when when communication happens, the communication is not what you think or what I think or your opinion or my opinion or a politician's opinion or a local person's opinion or negative or positive people. Strictly, it is the word of God. We, we interpret it Two, and this is a super long answer, but it's, I think it's, it's yeah, purposeful. Yeah. Uh, we interpret scripture with the historical, grammatical, contextual process. The Hebrew and the Greek come into play, the contextual meanings. And when you use the contextual meanings and, and you use historical perspective and you use the, the word studies and you use the culture pieces and you use to whom the book was written and who wrote it and right. why it was, then you become, you redefine how you say things and how you live things. And it doesn't leave room for your opinion or mine or some other, some other guys down the road. Yeah. I love that. I feel yeah. like as you were talking, it reminded me of like, you know, when the, the earliest church, so like the first century followers of Christ, you know, they weren't Baptists or, you know, uh, you know, anything, anything else. I don't know why I can't think of anything right now, but they weren't, you know, Methodist, Moravians, Lutheran, right? yeah, Catholic, they weren't any of that. They, uh, they followed, Southern Baptist, none of right. that. They followed the way. That was the, this the was way. the closest yeah. thing. There right? you go. And they the just way. went the way that Jesus told us, right? The way that yeah. Jesus showed us. And so when I think about living a Jesus person life versus living a Christian life, they're in essence the same thing. But there's there's a less attached to the idea of being a Jesus person than there is attached to being a Christian. Like I feel like Christian feels more institutional. It feels like there's stuff that you can align with. But my Christianity that says, oh, you, because you're identified as being a Christian, then you must be all these other things. But there's a lot less room for interpretation or a lot less room for attachments. If I say that I'm a Jesus guy, that means like Jesus is the thing. I'm focusing on the Jesus part. And so, like, I don't know anything about the politics of Christianity or the institution of Christianity or the, I don't know, whatever, the exclusivity of Christianity. Like, I know I'm going to follow, like, the the way of Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about Jesus people, I feel like that's a big deal. So then this series, Becoming Jesus People, it's all about that. Right? It's all about, like, what can we do, you know, to be more like that? And so last week... Um, I had a message where we were just talking about the Beatitudes and like how that gets us started on what it looks like to Mm, be Jesus people. mm. 
And um, one of the things that we talked about last week, and then Sean picked it up again this week, was the fact that, you know, in the context that Jesus is, is teaching uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking about blessed are these because of that and all that other stuff, like what he's really saying is happy are they who mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. right? Happy are they who this, because, you know, they're, what seems like it's a difficult time right now is going to end up being the opposite, right? So like mm-hmm. it says, blessed are those who mourn, because then, the, you know what I mean? Blessed are those who are hurting. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those. So he says, happy are those, you know, that have all this, that are up against it right now. And so, um, but I love that because, you know, that's what we're all striving for. We're all striving to find this sort of fulfillment, this purpose, this meaning, you know, and, and even happiness, right? Like blessedness, right? Like, you know, blessedness. And like, that should be a pursuit for all of us. This idea that I want to be blessed. I want to be happy, right? I want to be content. You know, here's the interesting thing about, about the word happy. Um, You can, you can. You can literally twist that word to mean anything. Yeah, that's true. But then then when you frame it inside the context and understanding of blessed or blessed, um, I find it interesting that those two words are attached and can be interpreted yep. similarly. Yep. And I think, again, we're framing up. We're framing up our understanding by the historical, grammatical, textual interpretation, where Jesus said, if you do this, and I like to think, I like to think he said, when you do this, because he, he didn't leave the option. He just said, when you do this, it's like a directive, not, hey, you know, it's it's okay. But when you do this, yeah. this happens. Right. It's like, it's a guaranteed. Now, one of the things that Jesus did, I think, here was he framed up what true happiness was. True happiness is found, and if you look at each one of those, true happiness was found when you took the emphasis off of yourself, look to God, and then live that out with people. You took... You, you, you stopped emphasizing yourself, you looked to God, and then lived horizontally that, that relationship with people. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that with Jesus, he's always drawing our attention off ourselves. And I think the Beatitudes is that sermon. Yeah. In the book that I, uh, that I was uh, reading to get my start on this was a book called Studies on the Sermon on the Mount. By something Lloyd something. Lloyd Jones? It is Lloyd Jones. I should know that and I don't. But anyway, yeah. it's a great book. Anyway, and one of the things that he indicated in that was this notion that that you, you it would be easy to look at the Beatitudes as a progress or the as a progressive thing. Like if you when you first do this, right, then that gives you the capacity to do number two, which gives you the capacity to do number three, which gives you the capacity to do number four, right? And so it all starts with this idea of emptying ourselves of our reliance on ourselves or our fulfillment in ourselves. Like as soon as we can empty that part out, there's so much room, more room for God to work in us. And so when you go through all the rest of the Beatitudes or all the rest of the ways to be a Jesus person, there's more room in there. The less of me I have in me, the more room there is for God to use me. Okay. There's two things here that come to mind when you, when you say that one is that in Philippians two, Jesus or Paul said of Jesus, 
that he emptied himself. Mm. Okay, so that word there, emptied, means kenosis. It means taking out everything to be something self-emptying. He chose himself to empty himself of all the godly prerogatives and powers. He became a man. He became a God-man. Still God, but human. Yeah. All right? Paul says, similarly, to have this attitude in you that Christ had in himself, that, that I empty myself so that I may be filled with Jesus. Now, there are two things here. One of, one of my mentors, a guy named Beecher Moorfield, is one of the most brilliant men I've ever met in my life, ever. And he has this ability to read a passage of Scripture and then forever remember it. Mm-hmm. Photographic memory. Um, but one of the things he taught me was this. He taught me that our capacity has direct effect on our capabilities. In other words, my internal capacity, whatever it's filled with, will dictate what my capabilities yes are yep and therefore if i'm filled with me then i'm filled with not a lot of capability but when filled with christ i my my capabilities increase because self is out of the way and then i can become what god wants me to be yeah yeah i love that it actually you're saying that reminds me uh we have a new issue of life and culture uh, coming out as a special publication meant specifically uh, for people who are part of the Life Church family. And so I was supposed to write on this idea of being um, teachable. And so, hmm. and that all, and that in, in itself ties back to the Beatitudes of emptying ourselves of this like self reliance or this self fulfillment or this, you know, this thing that I'm enough or I've got like everything I need, I've got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, but to, to not be teachable means to say, I know everything I'm going to need to know ever. Right. Like I'm just like, I, and that the problem is that puts a cap on our capacity. When we say that I'm enough or I have everything I need or, you know what I mean? That's like saying, okay, well, I mean, there's no, there's a ceiling there. There's a ceiling in what you can do. So it's like, I said, it's like buying a car and then like abandoning the car when you run out of the first tank of gas, like the car is meant to last so much longer and go so much further. But by saying, I'm going to take the original tank of gas and that's going to be it. When I, when I've used up that tank, then I'm done with the car. And that's, well, one of the, one of my favorite speakers in all the world, uh, amazing. (laughs) He's an amazing author and he is hilarious. I mean, so funny, but he just spits theology out in an understandable, conceivable way for the normal dude that doesn't study theology. And he has this incredible insight. And one of the sermons that I listened to recently uh, was a sermon where he talked about the, the, the reality of salvation and what salvation really is. And and when 
His, his, his topic was that we have to remind ourselves that Christ was crucified and that we have to crucify ourselves daily. Otherwise, we begin to believe the whispers of the lie, did God really say, and then we begin to act, oh, I can handle this, I've got this. Right. You know, the enemy will whisper in your ear and he will say, look, two things he'll say. One, and it's a coin, but both sides, which are paradoxical in nature. And the one side is this. You know, that's really not that big a deal. You can handle that. The other side is, you know what? You're just, this is too much for you. You just can't do this. So there's this constant flow of of disruption, confusion, and lying. The scripture says that the devil speaks his native language, and that's lying. Hmm. He's a liar. The scripture says he is a liar. So if we're not crucifying ourselves daily, remembering the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding that it's him and him alone, and we know each day that it's him and him alone, then we'll become self-reliant. We'll become idol worshipers of ourselves, of what we do think, see, and feel, and what we think we can do. And then at that point, we become people who are self-reliant. Pride sneaks in. Pride is the, is the sin that will crush any human being. And at that point, at that point, some of us stand around and wonder, why am I in the mess I'm in? Well, you, you, regardless of default or, or lagging behind, just we all sometimes forget that, that we got this flesh thing going on. Yeah. And that's the push for the Jesus people thing. If we're living like Jesus, it is that constant reminder that we have no ability to do things on our own. That's why we must follow the words of the Lord Jesus and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I want to stand here just one more second, and then I want to get into the five, you know, uh, principles. The top of, five. Of, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh, Tim, Tim Curry roles, Tim Curry... Uh, the weird guy, the weird actor guy, English I mean, guy. Sure, yeah, he's he's weird. He is weird. He's he's talented, really talented. Yeah, like I really. Uh, this is the one I'm talking about. But he was really good as Cardinal Richelieu in the Three Musketeers. Yes, he was. With yes, he was. Yeah, a the, great bro. Yeah, he was good at that. He was good at that. I also really liked him as what amounts to Satan in a movie called Legend. That was with uh, Tom Cruise was the hero in that, and then like the fair maiden was the girl that played Ferris Bueller's girlfriend. I can't think of her. I don't know. Anyway, he was a really great Satan. Like, he was, like, fantastic as Satan. Also good Satan was uh, Bob De Niro in Angel Heart. I think we talked about that. Anyway, this is where I'm headed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think of Satan as being this thing, like, with the big horns or, like, Mm -hmm. Bob De Niro in Angel Heart. But, like, Mm -hmm. this thing that you said about him and how he'll always speak in his native tongue. You know, and that's in lies. And if you want to know how the devil is working in your life, take a second and think about, like, the the disastrous things you've gone through in your life or that you've, that you've had to deal with in your life because of decisions that you've made. That's more specifically it, right? I mean, the tragedies happen to us all that are not of our own like volition or our own action or inaction that sometimes things happen to us because of our action or inaction. And those decisions, when you think of those things, when you think about the destructive things that you've 
called down on yourself by your behavior and you look at, you know, the source of that, if you get to the root of that, you'll see that it was a decision you made based on a law that you bought into that Satan convinced you of. Mm. Like this will only last for a second or, you know, that no one's going to notice or no one will even know. Or, you know, we, we think of all these things to do or all these ways to behave. And like, we listen to the lie that Satan gives us. And then, then that's how we like drive ourselves, you know, into a destructive situation. And so if you, if you're thinking about sin or temptation and you're thinking about horns and pitchforks, like that's not how it works. It works because you allow yourself to be convinced of a lie that, you know, that, well, like all lies isn't true. Yeah. So just, just to be clear, um, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, you belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> yeah. Jesus was a bad dude. If you think he was a softy, you have lost it. You've forgotten. You, you got to reread the cultural book about, about Jesus and his day. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desires. Just, just listen to this. Just listen to this. Jesus defines, he defines the work of the devil right here in this verse. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, refusing to uphold the truth because there is no truth in him. Man. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he is a liar and the father of lies. So any lie that comes to you, any lie that you speak or one speaks to you, it's from the devil. Yeah. He inspires murderous, lying, destructive thoughts. He's a liar. Yeah, that's good. So let's, the opposite of lies is life, I feel like, is an easy uh, switch to make. Like, I feel like, like there's, no, there's no life in lies, right? There's, just, there's, no, there's no good that comes from it. There's no promise that comes from it. There's no hope that comes from it. So when we say at Life Church that we are life-giving, like, I feel like I'm not, it doesn't mean that we're not liars, but it means, like, we should be, as Jesus people, we should be chasing after ways that we can bring life to other people. So I would, I would, I w I'm a coin guy. Yeah, so yeah. I would caveat what you just said. I would, I would add to the opposite of lying. It's not just life. It's not just that. Okay. But it's truth. It's the same. It's yep. that same coin that if I'm giving life, I'm, I'm speaking truth over you. But, but Jesus yeah. said, there's only one truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Yep. So that being said, if we're life giving, if we're if we're truth bearers, right? Not our truth, but the truth of Jesus. When we're taking that to people by the way that we live, by the way the act, and and even sometimes what we say. Yeah. For sure. And I, I feel like it's easy to do. I mean, it, it's simple to do, probably not easy, I guess. Simple is never easy. Right. And so like, I feel like it's a second nature thing for me. Like this idea of like trying to, uh, 
be full of life for someone else's benefit to like bring a full life for them. And so like the easiest way, right. is like, if it's a person you don't know is to like say a kind word, right. To, you know, or like offer a kind gesture. If, you know, someone needs something and you see it, like help them with that thing. Like if they drop something at the store, pick that thing up for that person, right? Like so often I feel like in our world, we feel like every problem is someone else's problem, even our problems, but that's a different thing. But for sure, if you have a problem, that's your problem. It's got nothing to do with me. Right. Like, and so if you're trying to merge onto the highway and like you're in the right lane, but there's room in the left lane for you to move over to make the person merging to get on. That's not my problem. Speed up or slow down, brother. That's your, your problem's not my problem. Right. Like, I think we live in a world like that's a really simple example, but we live in a world like that where it's like, that's your problem sucks to be you. And so like, I feel like that's the opposite of life giving sucks to be you is the opposite of life giving. It's the opposite of what Jesus did. Well, I, I just, uh, I would go, uh, you know, that's very elementary stuff you're talking about. For sure. We should do it anyway. Yep. But, but, but being a life giver is a mindset. It's not so much action who we are in character and nature comes out in what we do. So being a life giver, you know, somebody may need their stuff picked up, but somebody else may need, Hey bro, you are off track and I love you enough to say, you know, what you're doing here with your family. Mm -mm. I love, I love you enough to speak life into you about this thing. Now, when we do that, we need to be crystal clear on two things. One, we're not perfect. But two, we better have the right attitude and we better have heard from the Lord via his word attached with the, the instruction and direction of Holy Spirit. There's a woman who goes to church uh, downtown, at LC downtown, and she has a teenage daughter who's 16. Mm. And uh, she's got her first car. She's anxious oh, to make her first car oh hers, boy. right? So she's got, it's a minivan, so it's not something that's nice. scary. But, you know, she started putting stickers on her car, like, which, you know, we do. I do. Like, I'm a sixter, a sixter, six, I'm a sixter person. Here, I don't even know what a sixter you, is. You actually, I don't know what those people are called. They're usually weird people. That put stickers on their car? Yeah. Like I'm not, saying I, I'm not saying, like, I put them all over the back and put them on the metal the, of my the car. Way, the way that I see you when you put stickers on your car yes, is... You have so many messages you want to tell people that you just feel like you got to tell them all. I want people to know everything about me. If you look at my car, you can tell me who I'm about, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I don't listen. I don't, I don't need your approval, bro. That that may not be for everybody, but one of the things I like about your car, the one sticker, let's talk what I like, what I like about your car is that you have this thing on there, this sticker called father wagon or something. Dad wagon. Dad wagon. Yeah. You could take off every sticker and have that one in like, there's your, that's the story. We digress. The girl with the stickers on the bike. Anyway, one of her stickers is like excluding a whole, almost half of the population. Like it's like bad mouthing a whole half of the population politically. Yeah. And so we're talking about life giving, right? Yeah. And I really like this girl. Yeah. And so I said to her after church, as she was waiting in the car, I said, listen, your name, I used her actual name. I said, like, you have so much life and hope to give. Like when people look you in the eye, they're bright and they're shiny. And you could, if you could just speak life, if you could just speak hope, you would just be such a difference maker. Mm -hmm. But you have to make that choice. Like you can't speak, you know, 
hate or like, you know, like I'm leaving you out or you stink. You know what I mean? Like you're not doing that by saying that like you use your powers for good and not for evil. It's a superpower. And you can either choose to do that for good or for evil. And so I said, I'm not saying that you're evil, but I'm saying like, who could you include or who could you, well, they don't include anybody. It doesn't make it right then. Like, like do something that makes a difference. But I mean, you're just, I mean, I said, this is like driving around with political stickers on your car or flags flying in your yard from a, from a political decision that was made almost a year ago. Like, what, what are you trying to do right now? Mm-hmm. You're trying to like pick a fight is what you're trying to do. And I'm pretty sure the Bible says, stop picking fights. Mm-hmm. Like Paul says that don't be a fight picker, you know, don't be that. And so like, I, I tried to tell her, like, so, I, saw, I feel like that was, I needed her, I wanted her to know that she can be life-giving and not, you know, hate spreading. Well, you know, we're talking about life-giving on a very elemental level, but when we go back to the way you started the conversation it, with Sean and Sonny and their mission about, about being a Jesus people, and then you, you, you proceeded to go to life-giving, I think that the only true model of being life-giving is the model that Jesus offered. For sure. If we just, look, if we just forget about everything and model Christ— 99% of our problems, our doubts, and confusion would be eradicated. I'm just saying. Uh, the other part of that is that our, our attentions, and we have more than, more than one, but our attentions are important. Uh, we get distracted easy. And we get distracted with causes that are temporal and not eternal. I'm not saying if this was whatever kind of sticker, don't be involved in this. But Stephen Covey says there's a greater yes. Most everything in our lives are yes. You and I have had this conversation about Stephen Covey's yes. Um, but that but that yes, some there most yeses have to become. You know, I can't do that. We choose the greater yes. And what's the greater yes? Is it me slamming people because they drive slow in the fast lane and I have a sticker on my car that says, get the over, you stupid. Mm. Well, first, that's not kind. It's not life-giving. But second, why why do I want to make that kind of statement to somebody? I'm not about life-giving. It's not about turning people off. It's about speaking the truth in love. And sometimes we just have to speak the truth in love and not get distracted with these false pseudo messages that, that the culture is pumping and promoting yes. day after day. I definitely feel like there's a spectrum to this life-givingness. So I, I don't mean to be spending so much time in the shallow end of the pool, but for some of us, right, we're, we're still knee deep, man. Well, let's like go deep. Let's go I, deep I get deep it, water. but I'm just saying like, cause you know, the, the truth that you're talking about is something that I feel like, like I can't jump into someone's truth until, you know. I've done my time with them, you know, until I've earned the right, you know, until I've, until we've built a relationship where it makes sense for me to speak a truth. Yep. Maybe her bumper sticker is right. Or maybe the opposite bumper sticker is right. I don't know. I don't care. But like, I'm not talking about getting all the way there. I'm talking about like, before I even know you, you're going to see life in me. I'm going to provide life to you yeah. by doing some of these elementary yeah. things. Yeah. Right. Well, I think again, too, Jesus didn't, at least what I've read about him, he didn't beat around the bush. No, he just was. <laughs> there, but there's so, only one group of people that he led with, 
with the harshest truth, right? There's only one group of people, <laughs> right? And so like everyone else, he led with healing or help, yeah, yeah. right? One of the, one of my favorite programs, uh, uh, is the chosen. Yeah. Love it. So, so good. Um, in the way that one of the quotes off that, and I, I posted on my Facebook page, that quote, and I don't remember exactly per se, but it was this, Jesus was having a discussion with a man of the father of, of a daughter that he was speaking to. And, and the gist of the conversation was that my ask with you is different than my ask of one that would follow me. In other words, the conversations that, that I believe Jesus had were introductory and invitational. Hey, I want to introduce my story What's your story? How do we get to know each other? But then you begin, he begins to tell the story of his father. And I believe that Jesus was just, he was a tough dude, but he was a kind man. Yeah. He was a merciful man. He was, he was a man who, first of all, was trained in all the Jewish uh, schools, well-trained. So he knew, he knew his culture. And that's one of the things that I think that, that we're weak in as Christians, as Jesus followers, is we really don't know our culture. We don't know what's going on around. We know about vaccines and we know about this political guy and we know that. But we don't know about the culture and how the scripture and Jesus and being life givers fit into to being cultural changers. And one more thing I want to say on this topic and we got to move on to being kind. I think we need to. But this, this conversation just reminded me of a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called uh, Life Together mm-hmm. and talks about a lot of this same issue. And, and in there, he talks about how first we need to hear each other. We need to give a voice to the weak and the hurting. Mm-hmm. Then we should bear each other, carry their weaknesses and their pain. Then we should serve each other with the gifts that we have. And then finally instruct each other, but only after we have heard, born, and served. So like, I love that. Like, so when I was talking about like the spectrum of being life-giving, I feel like that's what I'm talking about. Like, I, well, that's clear there. Yeah, um, it's really good. You know what? That little, that little thing right there could actually be a whole, like a whole little sermon thing. About, for sure. Like just here's the way you go here and then here. Yeah. It's a progression, I guess, as yeah. you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It's All right. good. Number two is be kind. Send me that. I want that. Be kind. So that's our second principle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's, I mean, I, I don't know how we can expand on this more than, I feel like that was part of the elementary part of what I just talked about. A lot of that was just being kind. I feel like we can, we can give a lot of life to sure. stranger by being like, kind. Yeah. Being nice to people. And, um, one of the things, you know, with this mask thing that I tried to do, and I think I was successful sometimes was that I tried to smile and, you know, I noticed with the mask thing, that people smile with their eyes too. Oh yeah, not just their mouth and their face. Yeah, but you could tell when somebody smiled underneath. And I think, I think sometimes kindness is. I think sometimes we just need to bushwhack people with kindness. Yeah, just like sneak up on them and be kind yes. and and unexpected because. The kindness from one to another generally will soften a heart. It will soften a difficult thing. It will at least open 
up a conversation. It will at least open, well, that dude's weird. Yeah. However, it, it, it took the focus off of whatever their struggle is. Yep. And, and why are you, why are you that way? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked. Right. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yep. I don't think kindness is an elementary or a weak thing. I think it's intrinsically, the scripture says that God is kind. Yeah. And he was kind in what he did, how he did it, and for the people he did it for. Yeah. You know, uh, Pastor Jonathan and I, Pastor Jonathan uh, used to be the uh, creative pastor here. And then um, he's uh, still works here. Like he's still part of the worship team, mm-hmm. but now he, he started his own business. Anyway, mm-hmm. he and I always disagreed over this song that was popular, you know, six or 12 months ago that I still really love it. It's called Reckless Love by Corey yeah. Asbury. Corey yeah, Asbury. Something. Yeah. Elevation. Anyway. Yeah. And so John didn't like it because he, he didn't like the idea that you could quantify God's love as being reckless. Like God would be intentional and purposeful about it. You know what I mean? And I said, I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't, because for me, when I think about being kind, I need to be recklessly kind. I need to be like flagrantly, there's no question about the kindness. There's got to be no question. And, and I love it when it doesn't make any sense. Like, I love it when it doesn't make any sense. So when I think about God's love for me, the one you were just talking about, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense that God would love me that much. That he loves me Jesus worth, right? Like he loves me his son worth. Like that doesn't make any sense because I know what a piece of poop I am. And so like it doesn't make any well, sense to me. I wouldn't say you were that because um, God doesn't make that. I get it. But, but I mean, my decisions brought me there. But I do like that song. I get it. I get what you're saying. Like it's in the mind of man and human person. It makes really no sense that that God would love us, but He He recklessly, to use the words of the song, pursued right. us. Yep. I think He did so intentionally, but for us to interpret what He's done, it's reckless. Yeah, it's it makes it it's you said it just it makes absolutely no sense. And I felt the same way the other day, reading uh, Romans five and six. Why would God do that? Well, the scripture says he's, he's kind and, and he's merciful. And one of the things about being kind is that you, you have to be merciful and you can't be judgmental at the same time. So, so kindness creates something in us that it, that it clears the conduit for the way that the Lord's love can flow through us through the acts of kindness. We're going to move on. But before I do that, let me just give you this bridge real quick from that song. There's no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. Like, I mean, come on. Well, that's proven. He's done it. Right. And like this idea that 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 love has, has chased me downstairs and like leaves 99 so that he can find me all that stuff. Like that's reckless. Anyway, mm-hmm. number three, that's good. I love, I, I love the song, but yeah, go ahead too. Anyway, number three is, uh, be peaceful. Mm. And so, uh, sometimes people think being peaceful means being, um, like not putting up a fight or being, what's the word? Like if you're not a fighter, you're, um, passive, right. Or yeah. you're, you know yeah. what I mean? I don't think this. What, I don't think that's what being peaceful means. I think it means 
I want you to tell me what you think it means. But for me in my life, being peaceful means like finding peace in myself first, because I know that at least me and my personality are more thermostat than thermometer. And so I set the temperature for a room when I'm there. And so I need to find a peace in me. And I can't, I've learned after 54 years that I'm, I can't find that by myself. That in fact, I, I only have it because the spirit brings it to me. The friendship of God brings it to me. But I know that that's what being peaceful means is I need to walk into a space with that peace. Right. And, 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 Maybe a little bit going back to that enmity thing. Like I, I need to not be picking fights. I need to not be trying to find the difference between you and I, but in fact, trying to find, you know, the common ground between you and I, I need to like, you know what I mean? I feel like for, for me, there, there's are both those things, peace where it means a stillness and peace where it means not, um, not conflict. Well, I think we misconstrue what peace is sometimes like pastor talked about being a peacemaker versus a peacekeeper right and peacekeeping is for somebody else it's not for me um and i think jesus said blessed are the peacemakers sometimes um not to not to drive too far off the track here but sometimes uh, different to bring peace, sometimes different actions have to be taken that we might not always consider peaceful. But here's what the word peace means in Scripture. Peace is more than just the absence of conflict or state of rest. It means completeness or wholeness, and it points to the presence of something else. That presence of something else is, of course, Holy Spirit. So it doesn't mean, see, again, we're surface Many of us are surface and we get satisfied at the surface rather than drilling down and going deep. And part of the going deep part is this, that being peaceful is not just absence of conflict or, or being at a restful state. But peace comes when I'm, I know that I'm complete and I know that I'm whole. And I know that the presence that is in me and that I give out is not my own. It's Holy Spirit. That's peace. That's where we begin to step into this rhythm and this new level of living where when we walk into the room, the atmosphere changes, not because I'm a clown or a jokester or I'm I'm a loud guy or the guy that walks in and like <laughs> what, you know, people walk into a room all the time and get try to get everybody's attention right. or make loud noises or whatever. But more so being peaceful is being complete and whole and knowing that the presence that I carry, that the presence is in me is, 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 is Holy spirit. That's peace. Mm. That's good. Mm. Number four is, uh, be teachable. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like I said, I, I just got done reading an article for the life and culture magazine on being teachable. And I feel like being teachable. You did write it. I did. Just before this, you did your homework. Yeah, I did. I did. She's like a thousand. She's a thousand words. I'm like nothing, man. Twenty minutes later, cha ching. I said, but you should proof it though because <laughs> I might have made some. So you're saying you didn't use Grammarly? Is what you're saying? No, I do use Grammarly. Mm. Yeah, and I don't often make grammatical mistakes, but I didn't reread it mm. because I wanted to make sure I had it done before you and I got together. Don't hurt this. your arm. Right, pat yourself pat on, the on the back, back. right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What are we peaceable? What? No, we didn't. No. What are we talking about? 
being teachable. Teachable. I feel like that's a big part. I'm not trying to bring this in there for a, like a plug, but I feel like a big part of- well, What did you say sure. in your article? Like bullet point. Like, you know. Well, one of the things, like I talked about this thing about the car, right? Yeah. Buying a car and using yeah. that one tank of gas. And yeah. Like, yeah. like in, in my message a couple of weeks ago, I also talked about the fact that uh, when we rely on ourselves, we limit ourselves. Mm. I can only take myself so far. I can only get myself so mm-hmm. far. And that to be teachable means there's stuff I don't know. There's stuff that I'm willing to learn, not only from someone else, but from my experiences. And I'm only going to learn from my experiences if I self-scout. They talk about that in the NFL. We got to do some self-scouting this week. And meaning I'm going to go back and look at the tape, <laughs> you know, and ask questions. Why did this happen this way? We don't often do that. We just keep punching life in the face and getting punched by life in the face. And we don't sit down in our corner for a second and listen to Mick, our manager, you know, tell us what, what's happening. Like, cause we're too close to it to see it. And so that's how we go through life. We just keep, you know, round houses, right. To life and trying to take them back from life. And like, if we can take a second and self scout, if we can be teachable, even to ourselves and say, why is this happening? Why does this keep happening? Why, and why do I always have bad friendships? Why do I always, why can I never keep a relationship going? Why do, why do I have like three divorces? Why do, why aren't my kids talking to me? The first step has to be teachable to say, what am I doing that's wrong? And not to assume that everything you're doing is right. And that's a big part of being teachable for me, in my opinion, anyway, is this, is this willingness or this humility to say, I don't know everything, but that's not the, what the world tells us to do. The world tells us to like, oh my gosh, you have everything you need. You're smart enough. You're good enough. And gosh darn it, people like you, you've got enough. And if the world doesn't like it, they can pack sand. Well, you're like, well, I mean, then I'm, again, I'm limiting myself and I don't want to be limited. I want to be unlimited. And that's how things are in a Jesus person's life is like the more you, again, evacuate space or clear space in your head and in your heart and in your spirit for God, the more he can do with what's left. He's, you know, totally feng shui, right? With, with what you've got going on and we're clumsy and college boy dorm room messy with our spirit and our heart and our mind and our love. But like, God's like feng shui, right? Where I'm going to, everything's got a place and everything's in its place and everything's, you know, like I can compress this or I don't know, whatever it's called on a Mac, whenever you like get rid of old files. But Mm -hmm. my point is, is that that's what being teachable is, is making sure that there's room for you to grow even more. Because once you think that you've arrived, you're dead. Well, again, you're talking about the difference between humility and arrogance and human nature is by by character and nature's arrogant. When we, again, back to crucifying ourselves daily, as Paul said, if we don't do that, we become arrogant people who think we can do it on our own. And arrogance has no place in the kingdom or in Christ. Now, being teachable has two elements to it. More than two, but for sake of conversation, too. The first element is humility. I have to realize, just as you stated, that I don't know everything and that I... I will never know anything, so I need to understand that I, first of all, need wisdom from God. I need to know his expectation, his anticipation, his direction, and his purpose for his direction. The first part is humility, teachability, being humble. The other side of that coin is to understand discipline. Being teachable is all about discipline. Now, when when you think about discipline with your raising or being a student in the Catholic Church 
or some of my buddies in the Catholic Church, they had broken wrists because they had they got smacked by sister somebody yep. so many times because they were misbehaving. But but that's that's not the only form of discipline. Discipline is it's the same word that the scripture uses for disciple. Right. It's it's to learn how to follow after another, to seek out what what this person knows over what I think I know. Yeah. It's to, I'm going to listen to this guy. In the business world, people who are successful never hang out with people who are like them in, in caliber or people who are low th- lower than their caliber. They hang out with people. They first of all get into that circle and then they hang out with people that are far better than them because who we hang out with is who we become like. Same way with teachable. If you hang out with people that think they know everything, you'll take on that same spirit. If you hang out with people that think, you know, I don't know, but I want to find the answer to that, or people who are always seeking after knowing what the Scripture says, not seeking truth, not seeking determining and finding your own truth. I'm not saying that. I'm saying seeking after what the Scripture teaches. Yeah, accepting the fact that God's truth is the truth. It's the absolute truth. And when you begin to question that, you've automatically gone off scale. I love that. We didn't get to the last one. Yep. We are inspired. Maybe we'll do that in another episode. Maybe we'll do that in an episode of Father's Secret. How much time do we have right now? We don't now? have time right now. We have another meeting right be now. Be inspired. Yeah, be inspired. It's really good stuff. You can also listen to Sean's message right here on the podcast platform that you're listening to this You should. On. It's really good. Yeah, it is really, really good. Um, and so we encourage you to do that. If you've, um, if you've enjoyed uh, this episode of Chewing That, we'd love it if you would... Um, uh, like and review it on your favorite p- podcast platform. We'd love it if you would share it with your friends because really the more people that, that this gets shared with, the more people see it and the more we can spread the life-giving message of Jesus Christ to the people of the 920 and beyond. My name is Scott. That was Barry. Thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you again next time. Oh.